tell me anything. Just do two and twos, 16 miles, and uh, don't breathe hard. Okay. Welcome to the 294th episode of the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney, and I'm your host. I'm a plant-based cardiologist and endurance athlete living in Southwest Florida. Welcome, and thank you for listening. We have a great podcast today. We are going to talk about the Treasure Coast Marathon in Stewart, Florida. I have as a guest today, Hutch Strom. Uh, He completed his first marathon at age 64, third in his age group. Spoiler alert, all the way around, but we've got a lot of talking to do about that day. It was a great, great day in Florida. Windy, but a great day. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know that, again, March 25th, we're going to be having another Zoom nutrition conference this time about your gut, gut microbes. I'm going to be doing sourdough bread from start to finish. Eddie will be talking about uh, fermentation uh, dinners such as a plant-based Reuben sandwich with tempeh and sauerkraut. So we're going to talk a lot about cooking, fermentation um, in your diet and your gut microbes. So it'll be a great uh, conference, go over to drdelaney.com, D-O-C-T-O-R-D-U-L-A-N-E-Y and get your tickets. It'll be great. But on to the show with Hutch. You know, I met Hutch in 2000, um, yeah, 2019 in March, so it's uh, been two years, and he was uh, clocking in at about 240 pounds in chest pain walking to the mailbox. And on Sunday, he completed a marathon, um, smiling ear to ear, feeling wonderful. And that's a lot about what this, this podcast is about, you know, what you can do. And completing that marathon, you know, it wasn't just about a training program. We tailored it to his heart rate and his level of conditioning from the get-go. So we, it was a 14-month journey from walking to the mailbox to doing several 18- and 20-mile run walks. And, and we did the Galloway-type run-walk method and ended up with a two-minute walk, two-minute run. But we started much slower than that. We started with just a walk. And, you know, when you run a marathon, you obviously are training up to an event and you're gaining fitness with your training program, but you get this huge boost after completing the marathon. If you think about it, when we're doing training events, we usually only run up to 18, 20. Some plans will have people run up to 22 miles uh, at a slower pace, obviously, than they would run the marathon. But the idea is to be able to recover and then... Each time you recover, you're gradually improving your fitness. And then the day of the marathon, you kind of lay it all on the line. line. You're depleting your glycogen stores. You're pushing yourself to the limit. And you have more soreness than normal. After most long runs, you know, very little soreness the next day because you don't push yourself into that level. But when you push yourself into that marathon, full marathon level, and then recover from that, that's a huge bump in your endurance capacity, in, your, in a huge dump, uh, jump in your, contra- in your training. And as Hutch will tell you, it's also a life-changing to complete a task that you weren't sure you're going to be able to complete, and you're not sure what's going to happen, and you have to live it minute by minute, moment by moment uh, throughout that whole uh, marathon. 
And, you know, we did a great job. Um, Michael and myself and Hutch ran together the entire way, and we took it one step at a time, one mile at a time, one two-minute mo- two walk, one two-minute run interval, and we stayed and stuck to the plan, and uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't be happier with how it ended. You know, a perfect race for any, anyone running a marathon, whether you're a beginner or a professional elite athlete, is to negative split, and we did it. We ran the second half faster than the first half, and that is a very difficult thing to do. If you look at uh, finishing times in a marathon, I don't care how big the marathon is, if you go back through and look at the beginner in, in the front of the pack, in the back of the pack, in the middle of the pack, most people go out way too fast and then, and then slow down uh, and kind of drag it in or try to hold on if they're you know, uh, a really good marathoner. The elites will, will try to negative split because they know that their best race is going to be when they have something left at the end to, to, to bring it all in. But it's, but it's really difficult uh, to do that. Um, with Hutch, it was, there was a little bit of fear involved. Uh, you know, he, is, uh, he has a history of coronary artery disease, and he has had stents placed, and he's had a heart attack. And the idea of pushing him too far in the beginning could mean that we wouldn't finish the race at all. And so that was ever present in my mind as his cardiologist and running partner that we wanted to finish the race and finish the race well. So we, we did run off of his heart rate and I knew um, what his heart rate should be. He knew what his heart rate should be and we really stuck to that. And so this training program and plan that we did was tailored specifically for him and I think it's real important, anybody out there that's, you know, especially in an older age group that is going to run a marathon, that you, you run according to your plan, not according to the herd, because it's so, so tempting to get out there and see the herd and want to take off, and you feel great at the start line, and, you know, want to take off and, and run, run as fast as you can, and uh, bad things can happen. And even when we started out, you know, we, we started out in the very back of the pack. It was um, because of COVID precautions. I haven't run a race, uh, you know, a road race since COVID. It was um, very well run. They had a, what they called a relaxed start. So the marathon started at 6 a.m. And they encouraged the faster, faster runners to go across the, the line first. And we held back um, to the very last to go across the to the to go across the start line and but even doing that you know you see the people up in front of you and it's tempting to push it a little bit and Hutch says hey you know my heart rate's starting to go up you know I'm in the 130s 140s and we back down immediately you know and we got our walk pace and we got things under under control so even from the get-go you know if we would have ignored that it was dark he had to watch his watch um you know we'd, we'd have gotten to some some trouble if we'd have said oh let's just push it or get warmed up so we we really did a gradual warm-up uh, and then, you know, got into the groove at about five miles and held it. In the middle miles, 12 to 17, we had a terrible headwind. Um, you know, 30-mile-an-hour gust. I felt like Jim Cantore, if anybody's ever lived in hurricane or, or foul weather, you know, the weather guy, Jim Cantore, is always there blowing, trying to stand up. That's what I felt like. You know, you take a step forward and your legs would blow and you kind of kick yourself every once in a while because your legs would, your feet would go in a place where you, you weren't aiming them. But we did that for, you know, uh, again, miles 12 to 17 or so and turned around into that and then had a bit of a tailwind, but it was still kind of a crosswind, so it was, it was, the footing was a little bit difficult. 
But, you know, nevertheless, you know, we, we held on and um, did those miles. And when the, at mile 21, you've got to go back across a, a big bridge over the water. Again, uh, really exposed to the wind. But, you know, when you hit mile 20, you know you're bringing it home. And we had the bridge, which was a hill, so we didn't, you know, push anything right there. But when we got to across the bridge and we got back into town, miles 24 and 25, we, you know, kind of pushed it just a little bit and didn't let his heart rate come up a little bit more and uh, then had a great finish. So, you know, we'll be talking to Hutch about that. The other thing that I wanted to talk about was, you know, when we were training uh, to do the marathon and I was giving him the training plan, you know, I was not only his running coach, but his cardiologist and physician. And, and the purpose of my practice is to reverse lifestyle diseases. And certainly exercise is a part of that, but nutrition is a huge part of that. As, as we all know, this is a plant-based wellness podcast. And so we were very focused on, again, getting him down to, uh, you know, his normal body mass index, getting his diabetes under control. He was got off his insulin. Um, he was off blood pressure medications. Um, but we, we, you know, we fought for his cholesterol. You know, here's a guy that um, had cholesterol issues uh, all his life, and as a young man had coronary artery disease. So there's a familial component to it of his high cholesterol that he's had, and, and you know, it's, it wasn't easy. He didn't have carte blanche as far as eating anything he wanted for, um, to train for a marathon. And I think that's what a lot of people that are older don't take into consideration. You know, young people, the, the garage is empty. They can kind of eat the junk food and get away with it. And a lot of runners think they can eat the junk food and get away with it because they're running all these miles and maybe they're on the thin side of their body mass index is normal. And they're not checking labs, you know, because they're assuming they're burning it off. And, and, you, and you might get away with a little bit more. But if you have heart disease and you already have high cholesterol, or you already have high blood pressure, it is really important to get those things under control, especially when you're embarking on a training program as difficult as training for a marathon or an, or an Ironman. So we watched his cholesterol, and, and I got to tell you that we had a few discussions that, you know, he, you know, when he was running the 18 or 20 milers, he would finish and he was hungry. And, you know, you think, again, his weight was coming down. He thought, well, I can get away with a little bit more. And he had some slips in his cholesterol. Um, and not because he was having a steak or having ice cream, but he was just having some pastries or having a couple extra cookies here and there, having some more nuts because he was hungry. And that was enough to raise his cholesterol again. So we had to rein things back in. And so he actually dropped his cholesterol 40 points the three or four weeks before the, the marathon just by really tightening his diet. And we made sure that he was getting his nitric oxide producing greens in. You know, so he was vasodilating. Even some of the early runs, we had him take some spinach and beets before he even went out so that we could maximize his oxygenation when he was training. Uh, I think before the race, he had a Lara bar and a banana. Um, and again, we did gels during the race. And that's, you know, I mean, here I am, a cardiologist given a guy that has diabetes um, sugar, uh, but your body runs on sugar. And... Um, we needed to get glucose in him to maintain his glycogen stores. But again, we did them very carefully according to his metabolism and how he could handle them. And it was really important that we start with a good glucose. So nutrition was extremely important in him being able to um, train and complete the race. So I don't want to leave that part out, out at all. Um, I think that, you know, again, we get 
the idea that if we're running and we can do, we can run, everything must be okay, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're not really, really straining the engine and then things could actually uh, turn awry uh, and something, something bad could happen. So Hutch and I had a deal that he was gonna eat for optimal nutrition and he actually made the quote on several times that he put himself in marathon lockdown because of his, his nutrition. So we're getting the five to six cups of greens in a day. A lot of days he ate predominantly raw with big salads. Uh, he ate a lot of steamed Brussels sprouts, um, a lot of beets, you know, chickpeas were one of his favorite things. And um, again, just paid very, very close attention to his nutrition. And even during the race, it was a little bit um, difficult because someone that's not a diabetic takes in some source of calories after an hour and an hour and a half usually and typically it's in the form of simple sugars a goo or a gel a cliff gel or huma different different products are out there some of them have oil and i, I would really recommend against anybody using the ones with oil um, especially uh, in light of you, you know previous documentation that they cause decreased glucose uptake so we go for a predominantly glucose or um, maltodextrin, some sort of uh, simple sugar. Uh, we use maple syrup or the gels made by Cliff or, or goo. And again, there are simple sugars that can be taken up quickly. However, if you have glucose intolerance, you don't take them up quite as quickly. So we had them, had him take them um, kind of slowly, instead of taking one gel at, at once, he would kind of sip on it over the course of a mile. And he took a gel after uh, every two to two and a half miles, after about mile six. And there's a funny comment in there because he was trying to sip on them and the wind was blowing and some of the, the, the paper wrappings or the metal wrappings were kind of flipping in the air. We had goo all over the place. Uh, where, you know, the gel was running and he was trying to sip it. But the idea was to get enough glucose in to maintain his energy level, but not drive his glucose high. And again, you know, that's part of the whole process to, main, to actually get his glucose tolerance the best that we possibly could um, so that he would be able to take in the glucose and use it effectively during the race. So I think I've talked sufficiently about uh, the preamble into this. I'm going to turn it over to Hutch in our interview, and I hope you enjoy it. And I'll come back and make a few closing remarks after the interview. Welcome, Hutch. So, couch potato to plant-based endurance athlete. But it's worse than that, right? Because you were a couch potato with a broken heart and diabetes. So, just the, um, you know, just to tell everybody out there how bad it got before you started to, we met March 12th, 2019. And you came to see me with a friend that was trying to introduce you into the plant-based lifestyle. Wanted, he wanted you to live. And, um, but 
you know, tell us just a little bit about, you know, how you got to that 240 pounds that on March 12th, 2019. Yeah. So, um, in my line of work, I, I do nighttime meetings and always I was eating late and, um, and again, I didn't have really a work schedule. I didn't have an eating schedule. I didn't have a sleeping schedule. And um, so I would wake up, uh, you know, watch TV for a little bit, eat, you know, get sleepy uh, and go back and take another nap, another two to four hour nap. And I never slept more than four hours. And so it was around the clock. So I'd be waking up at odd times and going to bed at odd times, eating whatever I wanted. So in 2016, I had chest pain and we were living in Ohio and uh, I went and they, they said, I, they rushed me uh, to the nearest hot, to the nearest medical center. And uh, I had a heart attack and they said it wasn't that bad. Um, it was a one on a scale, one to 10. So then we moved down to Florida, December of 2018. And uh, I'm at this point, I'm 240 pounds. Um, I had been on a total with my adult uh, diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and I, honestly, I don't even know all the medicines I was on. I was on a total of 10 at one time. When I met you, I was on eight. And so in 2019, right before I met you, I, I couldn't walk to the mailbox 50 feet without chest pain, shortness of breath. And um, it, 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 was, it was amazing. It hurt. And so... <clears throat> I'm just thinking, well, did, did I just come down to Florida to be put out to pasture and die or what? I mean, I haven't even done anything. I was 61 years old at the time. And um, we were, we were uh, I was at a church leadership meeting and, I, and having a buffet, right? The average church buffet, meatloaf, mashed potatoes, gravy, you know, nachos, you know, everything. And uh, extra cheese. And uh, my friend was over there eating a salad out of a Tupperware. And I said, what are you doing? He says, oh, I went plant-based about a year ago. Look at these pictures. I said, you know, I need to do more of that. My chiropractor up in Ohio told me to do more of that. And uh, he goes, well, he goes, see these pictures. I've lost 40 pounds. I said, you look great. And uh, he said, I'm listening to these podcasts by this doctor, this plant-based cardiologist down in Port Charlotte. And this is her name. I'm going to send you some links. And and maybe we can get you hooked up with her. And the rest is history. And I think a couple of weeks later, I, I sent in my paperwork and uh, he came with me, Kieran, my friend Kieran, came with me and um, basically stepped in and saved my life. Yeah, Kieran was your angel, wasn't he? He was. He sure was. He's so a great... what did our cardiologist say after you got your stents? Because you had, you had stents twice. The PA came in, the physician's assistant came in. He goes, he sits down in my room. He goes, I normally don't sit down. He goes, but I think you care. He goes, you're a nice guy. He goes, look, we do heart bypasses, you know, heart uh, caths. 
and stints and people are out smoking in, in, in the hallway an hour after their surgery. He goes, but you seem like a nice guy and you, you care. And he goes, um, so I'm just going to sit down and tell you the way it is. He said, he said, if you don't change the way you're living, you're going to die in three to five years. But that he didn't give you what change needed to be. Skinny up. You no, know, all my doctors always said, you know, uh, you know, watch your diet, watch your numbers, and and you know, watch your numbers. I'm like, what the heck does that mean? Watch your numbers, you know. And and so, you know, I was on 80 units of insulin, injectable insulin, a night before bed, along with four, you know, glipizide, metformin, and all, you know, the regiment, you know, of of diabetes, along with the Cinepril and for for uh, blood pressure. I don't even know a statin I was on. I took myself off a of statin because I, I read it was bad and something else. So anyways, um, no help from the medical. All it was, was, um, uh, they increased my meds and told me to watch my numbers. So what, so you start, you know, we, we started talking about, you know, we were going to, we plant-based diet and we talked about what that was. And I suggested you start doing a little bit of walking and, that yeah. didn't work. It, it, yeah. When I when I when I met you, I was ready. You know, I was ready to do to change. And I knew you were plant based. I knew I was going to go on a plant based diet. I didn't know really what that was, except for fruits and vegetables. And uh, when I came to you, Doc, you know, I said two things to you. Number one, and my wife was with me, uh, and Kieran was with us. And I said, Doc, if I die right now, my wife will kill me. <laughs> you know, and number two, I said, if you remember, I said, I'll eat cardboard if you tell me to. I did. And, and, you, told, and you told me that at 249 pounds. And I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard this before. <laughs> I hope, I hope, but I just still know that this is going to be because sometimes, you know, you were ready and you're, you're absolutely right. I couldn't tell how ready you were. I know that Kieran desperately wanted you to change. And sometimes when other people desperately want someone to change, they don't want to let them down, but they're, you know, it's a big change, obviously. It was a big, big, big change. And you told me you've been in the restaurant business before you were in the ministry. And so, you know, you've been around all the bad stuff. So, and nobody and ever, it, and nobody yeah. ever linked them together, really, you know, so... So when was it that the click went off? Like, I think I want to run a marathon because, because that wasn't what you, you know. Well, when I first started seeing you, you said, Hutch, you need to, you know, eat this and um, get with my, you know, my registered plant-based dietitian, Addie, right? And I did. And we, you know, and she gave me all the information that I needed, you know, and, um, and, <clears throat> And you said, and I want you to start walking. And I'm like, okay. So I went about 90 days and I would go out to the mailbox and my chest hurt so bad. And I was out of breath walking 50 feet. I didn't walk. And I, I and for 90 days, you're asking me, are you walking? I'm like, um, well, it's really nice outside, you know, and stuff. But uh, no, I, I didn't walk. And finally, I had to confess to you. Doc, like after 90 days, four months of seeing you, I'm not walking. And you said, why? And I said, 
it hurts too bad. <laughs> and you said, you said, well, you know, everything's stiff. I mean, you know, your, your arteries, <laughs> your veins are stiff. And they need to loosen up. So, so you started, you said five minutes out, five minutes back, five minutes out, five minutes back. Yeah. And, but, you know, when did the, oh, let's just do a marathon because, you know, frankly, I've been, I've had, I've put my posters up since my first marathon I'm looking at uh, in Rome, 2001. I put the t-shirts and the medals, I framed them really nice and put them in the office and not one person has come in and say, hey, I want to run a marathon. Well, you know, I'm, um, so one day I was meditating and, um, you know, my faith plays a great part in my life, but we are in ministry as missionary evangelists. And, and it just kind of burped out of me. It came out of me. You are an endurance athlete. And I'm like, where did that come from? I'm an endurance athlete. I'm 240. Well, I was probably, you know, lost 10 or 15 by then. And, um, and then we had the Christmas potluck of 2019. And, um, you know, the Bible says that the Lord gives us the desires of our heart. And that means that when we fully give our lives over to him, he puts his desires in our heart for our lives. And, and so he placed this desire, Doc, in my heart to run a marathon. And I came to you and I said, I would like you to train me for a marathon. And you said, I can do that. Yeah. And uh, so was it, um, do we do 14 months or 16 months? 14 months? 14 months. 14 months. Yep. So 14 months. Six, I six sent days a week. Six days a week, and you followed them, and you sent me your Garmin Connect data because, frankly, at first I thought, well, if I'm going to make these this marathon plan for this guy, I want to make sure he's actually running, not just collecting sheets of paper for me. Yeah, and I had I had to buy running shoes. I had to buy a Garmin. You know, I change it. I mean, it, the whole process was just huge in the beginning, Doc, because number one, you go, I want you to sleep eight hours a day. I want you to eat at this time, this time, and this time. And, you know, and I didn't have a sleeping pattern. I didn't have an eating pattern. I didn't have anything pattern. And, so, and now I'm adding six day a week training. And, you know, so eventually I started sleeping four and a half hours and five because I was getting tired during trainings and, and then, you know, worked my way up to uh, between six and eight. Yeah. And so we started walking, then walk, run. So it was five minutes, uh, five minutes walking, one minute run. And we would do four and ones and we do some three and twos and we do, uh, and we worked on your breathing um, because um, it, you, this is not video. This is just audio, but um Hutch uh, is a bit of a mouth breather and not as much now, but, uh, you know, he's always talking and his mouth is open half the time. And uh, so he, you know, it, it took, we did a lot of breath work as well. So we'd have you do some breath holds when you were walking and count your steps and really eased into things and it started progressing. And you just were like a, 
you know, um, you just took it and ran with it and, and you enjoyed it. Bring me more, bring me more. Addie gave you some strength training programs. You worked with a, co with a, with a strength coach a little bit. Um, and you know, you just, just really, um, just made tremendous, you melted away, but you, you know, you're not flabby. You're, you know, you maintained your muscle strength and it was just great. And we finally did a, you know, we looked at your times and your heart rate. We, you know, we weren't cavalier about it. And you, you know, you followed the reason why we wanted him to have a Garmin and you'd have a Garmin so we could wash your heart rate. Because, you know, you were and at first, remember, you'd have some beats or you'd have some spinnies before you went out. So you didn't have chest pain. And if you went out too fast, you'd have some chest pain. So this wasn't, this one just, you know, this wasn't just getting off the couch and starting a running program. You know, you had hardware in your heart. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, we, we was dusting off the Corvette and putting new spark plugs in it and everything to kind of get you going again. But it, it continually progressed and um, you know, we towed it on the start line, smiling from ear to ear. Well, you know, Doc, um, I've been trained to do what, you know, the women in my life tell me to do. I've been married for 31 years. Uh-huh. So, and, and so I, I just, by blind faith, I just did what you told me to do. Half the time, I didn't even know why. I didn't know what you were measuring. I didn't know anything. You just said, do this, this, and this, eat this, this, and this. And that's what I did. And it was good. So we, we started off and uh, you, you got to the point where um, running two minutes and walking two minutes was very comfortable. And we set a max on your heart rate at about 125, 130. And uh, we said, we're going to, you know, see what we get. And our goal was to run the second half faster than the first and to finish standing up with a smile, breathing on your own <laughs> and me not to have to do any CPR. And that was, you know, those were our goals to see where we went. You, you know, you were, you know, you wanted, you wanted the time, you want to go fast. You were a little bit sea biscuit, the sea biscuit, and you started to come out a little bit. It had to hold you back a little bit, you know, you were, um, but we say, well, let's be reasonable. You know, we want to, we want to get through with a, a smile on your face and feeling great. And so we, we started out and it was perfect weather. It, it, you know, little, little wind, but it's perfect weather, 60s. And, um, you know, we just did it one step at a time, got to be very, very windy. Um, I thought the, I thought that the venue, we couldn't have asked for a better venue. The volunteers were spectacular and kind, and it was a nice town. We found a vegan restaurant real fast. And uh, the marathon ran through some beautiful neighborhoods and bridge. A big bridge, a big bridge, probably a couple mile long bridge that uh, ships could go underneath. Yeah, that was uh, a big bridge and uh, <laughs> a big windy but, bridge. You know, I couldn't ask for any anything more. When you told me that you were going to be by my side the whole way, I, I was, I was just totally blown away and amazed, Doc, by by um, your you know all in attitude. At, at helping me and um, to have a veteran um, endurance athlete like yourself and, and Michael was there. I mean, both of you have probably, you know, 50 to 60 marathons, you know, Ironmans and I got my doctor right alongside. So, I mean, how could I lose? 
<laughs> Wasn't going to be in any losing. And, you know, um, I, I want to just, I don't know if you had time to take in. So uh, if we go, you know, uh, if we go right to the end and then we'll work our way back through it a little bit. But we did run two minutes and walked two minutes. And we did our pace um, at 11 miles was 15 21 at 18 it was 1541 that's when we got from mile 12 to, to 18 is when we had the really huge headwind i mean try to stand up in a jim cantori type winds mile 25 down to 1447 and mile 26 1445 with an overall of 1518 so we not only negative split but your best mile was your last mile and 13 uh, uh 13 something pace for that last mile and you know so i mean you couldn't have asked for uh any better times now i went back because they posted the results today and oh and by the way congratulations you became third in your age group uh, so you'll get some hardware for that, this, uh, wow. along with the big metal. Wow. Um, and sure. yep. Yeah. And, uh, but if you look, I looked at, uh, people that ran, um, the were in 76, 76th place. There were, um, 286 people running the marathon. Three did not finish. And I'm sorry, 225 people ran the marathon. Two did not finish. Um, and if you looked at the people in either 76th place or 126th place or 156th place, everybody got slower. Everybody slowed down through the marathon. Very few people had negative splits and certainly didn't get faster at the end. So, you know, I think that that was, we, I think we did really good. I don't think, um, even if the, the wind really added time to us at mile 12 through 17, because it was, it was like running up a hill. I mean, into that wind, it was, you know, your legs were kicking each other when the wind, when you pick them up, your feet would move in different places. And it was, it beat you up a little bit, beat us all up a little bit in that spot. But, you know, in Florida, if there hadn't been wind, that wind also kept us a little cool too. And we had the tailwind coming back. And I said, I kept saying, we're going to make up, we're going to make up on the way back. But, you know, when you get so tired, you know, there's always in the back of your mind with a marathon. If I'm getting tired as I go, how am I going to get faster? That just seems, you know, it's hard to wrap your head around a negative split in a marathon because you think that, you know, while I'm running this thing, I'm going to get tired. I've got to slow down. And if I and what happens if I say, you know, if I save myself too much, will I have something left in the tank that I could have given or you know, if I say, if I save myself, well, I still slow down because it's just a marathon and you're going to slow down. So that's kind of the risk that a lot of people have to grapple with is how fast can you go out and not just, you know, blow out and have to limp in. And certainly, you know, I told you all my horror stories, there've been more uh, positive splits and more limping in than there have been running good, you know, so I can on one hand count the good ones easy, maybe not even fill up a hand let alone, you know, start out with like this. So I was just over the moon. And, you know, I don't think, I think if we'd have pushed it anymore, we probably with that wind would have got into some trouble maybe. Um, and I think if we hadn't had the wind, we might've got really hot because it, it, it got to be close to 70, I think near the end. Um, and if, if we hadn't, I mean, I, we're all sporting, you know, rednecks and some sunburn. 
All right. And uh, so I, I think that the, the heat might have got to us if we hadn't had the wind. So it was just a perfect day. I mean, really, it did. The, the scenery was beautiful. We had great times. The, the, sta the staff and the people at the aid stations were great. And COVID, you know, I mean, it didn't really enter into anything. They had little bottles of water, little bottles of Gatorade. I personally think it's a great way to do aid stations. Um, and I think we should, I think the races should learn from that. I, we carried handhelds and I think that's the way to go. You fill your handheld up and keep going rather than waste a bunch of water and cups and a lot of different, you know, there's so many things thrown around. So I think there was less litter was doing it that way. Would you do anything different? You know, I, I think you had a great game plan, Doc. Um, you know, it, I told you, I said, don't expect me to talk much because I've never ran with anybody else before. I always trained by myself. I mean, I, I'd run between Dunedin, Florida and Clearwater. It's about two, three miles and back and forth, you know, for my, for my training. And, um, I would just say hi to a couple people on, on the trail, you know, but I never ran side by side with anybody in my life. So I said, don't expect me to talk much, but you know, uh, I had such great company. I think, I think you tricked me actually, um, into worrying about if I was going to get tired or anything because we just kept having a conversation the whole way. And I never thought about getting tired. I just thought about running with you and, and, and following the pace and, and, um, you paced perfectly. You, you know, I told you what my heart rate was every 10 seconds and, and we, and I could tell after a while what was high and what was low and, and you backed the pace off and you increased the pace as, as we, um, dialogued the whole way. So it was awesome. Yeah. You weren't quiet. We talked and yeah. uh, we had, we had a, a great time. Uh, Michael looked at houses and, uh, <laughs> yeah. us homes, structures, horticulture, uh, I, I call you and Michael my two guardian angels, actually. And um, I couldn't have been with two, two more awesome people, experienced, you know, warrior uh, endurance athletes than you. And, you know, Michael's uh, showing us homes and, and uh, we're talking about palm trees and, and mango trees and, and the lizards, how big they were. And <laughs> we had a dog. We even had a dolphin sightings. Michael's over at the edge of the bridge. I'm running. He stops. And he, there's dolphins, you know. So um, it, it was amazing. He was, he, he was my um, pacer. He was my, he took all my garbage, you know, all my gel packs. When they were done, I handed it to him instead of putting them in my belt, which I did. I had gel from head to toe. And I got it all over the back of you, too. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you had never been gelled before until you ran with Putch. But uh, I, I, I always finished the race dirty. But yeah, yeah. But um, you know, and then he was my wind blocker. He goes, "I'm going to get on the right side of you to block block you from the wind." You know, and follow me. And and uh, boy, he 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 was just a real blessing. You guys were a real blessing to be there. To, you were watching me. Um, you were monitoring me every second. Um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't even dream of 
you know, it was like, it was like a divine, you guys were like divine babysitters, you know, it was awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> something that you don't all, you know, obviously you have, people haven't met, some, some of you haven't met Hutch yet, but uh, Hutch had, he wears bright colors. So Hutch, where did the, where did the bright colors come from? You have, you know, first time, one of the first visits you came here, you had on bright pink Chuck Taylors. And, you know, it's uh, give me bright shirts and give me this, you know, so where'd that come from? Have you always been, you know, you're a Toledo guy. Is that uh, that bright color? I'm from, Holy, I'm from Holy Toledo. And uh, it's not just a saying, but yeah, you know, we moved to Florida and from Ohio, uh, you know, sunshine, what, 10% of the time up there to sunshine all the time. So we started bright, buying bright color shirts and, and you know, and going from there. So we like color. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, we, we had a good time sporting, sporting the color. So it's been, uh, I guess it's been 24 hours since you finished your race. Um, have you pushed the button for the next one? You know, it was so funny at dinner the night before we're eating and, and Michael's like, well, what's your thoughts on after this race? Are you going to run a 50 miler with us or what? And I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm sitting there like it's the night before, you know, the biggest, I mean, this was a life changing event. I mean, it was right up there with Jesus and my marriage, you know, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, he's asked me about, you know, a 50 miler and I haven't even got to the start line of the 26.2 you know? So I'm like, I, uh, I'm not sure yet, you know, and, uh, I don't have any plans right now. Um, you know, um, I feel good about this. Um, and we'll just see where it goes. I, I don't think it's one and done for sure. And, um, you know, I told you earlier, I said, you know, running's fun, but it was a little kind of a little boring to me. I, you know, I might like, but bicycles, you know, going 10, 20 miles an hour on a bicycle and crashing is not a good thing. So like, we're looking at, you know, like a little mini triathlon. I, I could probably start swimming. I haven't swam in 45 years, just like I did run in 45 years. Um, so I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep it open. Yeah. I think that you need to bask in the glory a little bit longer. Um, you, know, <laughs> you, uh, you, you, you earned it and, uh, you know, just enjoy the moment. You've got your, your medal on. They're really nice medals, by the way, uh, for a little race, the bling was very, very nice. So I think that'll, that, that was pretty, pretty cool. Um, I felt that I felt that it was, I felt like everything went real fast from the time that we got there the night before to race time. And I really didn't have much time to think. And, and then the race is happening and I'm just trying to run, you know, and after I got done, I mean, you know, Michael had to catch me at like mile 24 aid station. I stumbled out of the thing, almost went down. He grabbed me. I mean, you studied me once too, you know, in the wind, I almost fell over. So I'm thankful for you guys for what you've done. But um, I sat in the hotel and I, I couldn't talk for about 10 hours. And 
I was just trying to replay what happened in my mind. And I was just in awe. I can't believe I did this. I, I, that See, and I can't even talk when I even think about it. I'm just in awe. And um, I'm just in awe of what happened. It was such an experience. I, I got to tell you, one of my favorite marathons. Um, and Michael's as well. Of all the marathons that we've been through, it was it was one of we had uh, such a great time the whole way around. And uh, like I said, I, I I've never I very rarely have paced myself as good as we paced. And uh, the only other person I like I said I, I told you I paced Addie to her um, engagement on her engagement marathon because I was trying to get her to the finish line without uh, so she'd be happy when say yes. <laughs> to, to well, make- I was. I was afraid that I wouldn't have the strength to walk to the car, you know? So normally when I train, I pull up in in front of my house and I walk 10 feet, you know, from the car um, to the house after I run. But this, I had, I had, we had, we had to park a ways away, two, three blocks away. And I'm like, I don't know. How in heaven's sake, I'm, I'm going to be able to walk two blocks and I'm a little wobbly, but um, we made it to the car. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> well, I, you know, I think it's a, it's a, it's a great, uh, a great story, a great motivation for a lot of people. And you're, you know, you're never too old to, to pull out your shoes from the, the closet it's not over till it's over. As far as your heart goes, you know, you're, you're, um, everything's got better uh, as far as your heart, your diabetes goes. And um, uh, it's, you know, it took a lot of hard work and, and you did all the hard work, but it certainly, you know, it certainly pays off and you can have fun being plant-based and you can have fun running 26 months. <laughs> and I think that's the most important thing, right? The most important thing is that whatever you do is you got to have fun at doing it, especially if you're going to do it for 14 months or you know, six hours and six hours and change and whatever, you know? So. Well, I say how much that I appreciate you and team Delaney and for saving my life. And, um, you know, I, I was, I, there's a story here to tell. And, um, and I, I sat in my hotel room after the race. Uh, I, I did take a little nap but when I woke up, um, I recorded for about an hour, hour and a half, just some thoughts, you know, and, um, you know, it's, it's the title, this title was like, the title came to me, like, you know, run for your life, you know, run for your life. And, um, and, and then, you know, the Hutch Strom story or whatever. It's funny, doc, you know, I always, nickname i give people nicknames i give myself nicknames and and i i i would do a a selfie video to you once a week after i trained just to show you i was still alive and um i would always call myself uh hey doc it's your favorite apprentice endurance athlete in training coming to you live from Dunedin, florida so you know i always called myself uh, the apprentice endurance athlete in training and and I'm still an apprentice and I'm still in training but I just want to thank you for giving me one of the greatest experiences of my life 
Well, I think that's for all our apprentices in training. And, and I had a good time. And like I said, one of my favorite marathons. So thank you for taking time to go over this and rehash this out with me. It's not the last time you and I'll be rehashing this for sure. But I thought, you know, there's so many people waiting to hear from the practice and in the podcast on how we did. So I wanted to share with him. So I appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. And it was just such an honor and a privilege to be with you guys. So I hope you really enjoyed that interview with Hutch Stram. Uh, it was a, my pleasure, Michael Hubbard's pleasure to run with him. We had such a great day. You know, um, Hutch didn't run a 5K or a 10K or a half marathon before he did it. He just trained for a marathon, and that was what his goal was, and he had his mind focused on it. I think he probably peaked at 35 or 40 miles a week, which was fantastic for somebody that's just started running again. But I want to leave you with one Bible verse for Hutch, because Hutch is a pastor. And I ran into this verse from Ryan Hall's new book, which I would recommend, and I hope to have him on the podcast as well. Uh, the book is um, Run the Mile You Were In, and this is from Proverbs 4.23. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And I couldn't think of anything more fitting for Hutch for my practice, and, um, you know, it was, it was such a pleasure and such a gift to be able to help Hutch achieve his goal, and uh, it uh, was probably one of the highlights of my career doing this, and it made me very, very happy, so again, thank you, Hutch, for being on the podcast. Thank you, Michael, for running with us. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you tune in, and, you know, we've signed up for the Treasure Coast Marathon next year. So I hope that we have a crowd of plant-based striders running that marathon. So eat plant-based, get strong. If you want help running a marathon, if you want help doing a training program, go to our website, drdelaney.com. We'd love to train you to be healthy and happy for whatever kind of endurance event you want to do. So again, thanks for listening. <laughs>